where you come to listen to all the odds and sods, the strange songs, the bits and pieces, the paraphernalia of Martin Page's career. I delve into a great big suitcase of old stuff, all my stuff, and I'm not going to hang about. We're going to start off with a song called Call My Spirit By Name. I wrote this with Bernie Taupin for a future album back in the day, and it never got onto an album, but it's as funky as hell. Sexually awakening of this mouth sad. 
That's a song called uh, Call My Spirit By Name, uh, written with Bernie Taupin. Um, and for all you owl heads out there, and I'm going to call you owl heads from now on, wisdom, the owl heads are listening in. Um, that song featured what I call the deadly duo of musicians. That was Jimmy Copley on drums and Neil Taylor on guitar. And those two guys were best friends, and boy, when they played together, they hit it. It was a great period writing with Bernie because we'd had the hits, uh, we built the city in these dreams, and so that encouraged us to do more work. And whenever I was about to make a solo album, I used to call him and say, give me something that suits me. And Bernie did that consistently, and you can hear that on Call My Spirit My Name. The lyrics, I think, um, yeah, he did it again. I was away for a long time after doing my first album in the House of Stone and Light. Um, somebody told me it was something like 13, 14 years. What could I have been doing through all that time? I don't know. Um, but I came back eventually and uh, recorded an, an album called In the Temple of the Muse. And the one track that got me going on that album was a song called I Guess I Will. And I'd like to play that to you now. This is a slightly different mix that made the album... That's what's great about diving into the archives, into the old suitcase, and finding a dat of a different, slightly different mix to the monster. Okay, I guess I will.
I guess I will from the album uh, In the Temple of the Muse 2008. Well, I'm going to bring it up a little bit earlier than I usually do in the shows. That special time that we all wait for, that we all look at our watches for. Are we ready for the 80s? (laughs) My goodness, um, it's getting larger. (laughs) The crowd. The crowd that I can't see in this room, because it's really just me sat here at the microphone. There seems to be every time we do an episode and we mention the 80s. I won't say it too loud. There's this huge ethereal crowd in the owl's nest. But we will do our best to please the 80s crowd. Right at the end of the 80s, I got with um, two great songwriters and two great performers. Randy Hall, great R&B singer and a great writer. And uh, J.D. Nicholas, who was the lead singer of the Commodores at that time. And we all became friends. Uh, J.D.'s an Englishman. Poor sod. Um, But (laughs) we all got together and we decided to write a song for the Commodores. Actually, JD wanted to uh, prepare something for their new album that was coming up then. We came up with a pretty fiery little song called Mind Over Body. It had a great vibe about it and JD really wanted to uh, pursue these lyrics that uh, had this message that uh, we can do anything we want to do if we put our mind to it. Uh, In my uh, first place that I moved into in LA on Crescent Heights, I set up um, a little eight track there um, in my living room and that's where we did this demo just on a Fostex eight track. So excuse all the roughness. This song has not been heard before. So this is a real delve into the 80s archives. And this is the demo, the raw demo with JD singing and Randy Hall and myself on a song called Mind Over Body.
to the 80s cassette demo. Yes, that's on a cassette that I'm playing that from. Um, uh, can people remember cassettes? I wonder. Um, that was a song called Mind Over Body, uh, written by myself, Randy Hall, and JD. I was very surprised that the Commodores didn't record that on the album that we were trying to get that on. Um, JD and the rest of the Commodores used to get, bring in different songs, and I thought that we had a really strong chance with that, and JD's lyric about... Uh, if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything, which I rather like. When you're writing those uh, special ballads that you're trying to really focus on, you try and actually bring up memories, feelings, emotions that you've actually experienced. And uh, on a song called Bleed, uh, I was able to do that. Uh, Bleed went on to my love album, uh, the Slender Sadness, the Love Songs album. I had a girlfriend back in the mid-70s, uh, when I was playing in a band in Oxford, um, and she used to travel up to all the gigs and see me play all over the country, which was very, very special at that time, and we were very much in love, first love, you know what that's like. Well, I don't know where that... <laughs> I don't know where that noise came from. I mentioned, you know what love's like, and the vault door opened. Maybe that's a message that I should get on with it. Anyway, I'm going to dig into the vault and pull, pull out this song, Bleed, because I think we've all felt this. I remember always taking her to the train station to say goodbye. And one particular uh, gig I did, uh, we went to the train station and something had changed, and I knew that uh, we were breaking up. That's really uh, what Bleed's about. When I wrote the music, it was winter time here, uh, as much as you can get winter in California. But I thought uh, I could touch the atmosphere of what it was like to feel that uh, coldness when your heart is uh, left on the street to bleed. Here we go. I 
That's a song called Bleed, and I recorded that for my album called The Slender Sadness, The Love Songs. Writing the music for that, I, was, I, I did actually get transported back to that uh, moment in time when I was stood on the uh, train station, waving goodbye and thinking, everything's changed, my heart stopped, and now I have to start again. I think we've all felt that sometime in our lives, haven't we? But let's brighten the mood up somewhat now, hey? Um, I'd like to play a demo that I did with the great Jack Hughes from uh, Wang Chung fame. We got together quite a bit through the 90s and uh, jammed a lot and <laughs> wrote lots of bits and pieces. And one of these songs is called Love in the Machine Age. It was great working with Jack. Uh, he's so musical that uh, it's quite daunting. Uh, the boy went to the Royal College of Music in London and I didn't, so it was a wonderful mixture. Um, this song just had such a spirit about it. We just put an amplifier up in the room and Jack plugged in his guitar and off we went. I think the lyric is quite pertinent now. Uh, back then, uh, the internet and the computers were just beginning to breathe and I think Jack had a sense of where we were heading to. So this is Love in the Machine Age. Where we going? No one knows. But that one. 
That's Love in the Machine Age, a song, a demo um, I wrote and recorded with Jack Hughes. Uh, when I was making the Q-Phil record right back in uh, the 80s, um, I heard the the Hung Chung record on Arista Records back then, and I remember my engineer, Mike Shipley, saying, you need to check this out, and the track on there, Tina Na Na, or Tina Na, I think it is, that knocked me over. Um, from that moment on, I thought it would be great to follow this uh, Jack Hughes chap, and lo and behold, we got together and worked together down the line, which was a treat. And uh, interesting enough, I think uh, people don't really realise that Jack and my uh, background leans a lot on um, progressive music. And in fact, I think Jack won an award from a progressive magazine in England. You'd have never thought that, all those ELPs and Genesis and Yes and all that stuff. But we do go back and uh, quite love that stuff. And you can tell that in our music. Also, the funk, uh, Prince, uh, and you can hear that in a lot of what... Um, Jack does, especially on guitar. There's a lot of funk going on there. Um, and the vocals by Jack. I mean, who else sounds like that? I know that when I first heard his voice, I thought, hmm, there's a lot of Bowie influence there. And uh, in the early days, he told me that well, there was. But what a sound Jack has. Um, and I urge you all to check out his solo work. Hopefully this song appears down the line on one of his albums. Now this seems the perfect time to go for the quiz a moment in the show I really enjoy. I'm going to ask you two questions, and you know the rules. 50 points for the first one, 50 points for the second. Let's see who gets 100 points this week. And I will uh, give you the answers to these two questions on my Facebook page a little later on. But let's start the quiz with question number one. What was the iconic aircraft that my father was associated with. What's the airplane that my dad brought across from England for the American Marines? <laughs> That's not too easy, is it? Eh? You have to study a bit for that one. This may be a little bit easier, question number two, because you can probably go back into the police files and uh, find all our names. <laughs> what are the names of the Q-Field band members? Yes, there's four of us. What are the names of the four members of the original Q-Feel? There we go. There are the two questions. 50 points for each. I'm interested to see who achieves 100%. Here's a song that I used to finish my live set with. Um, I remember that when we were touring, um, I didn't have enough songs. And I said, well, what can we dig from and I found out a couple of songs from my past Corrugated Iron that I wrote with Bernie Taupin and this song called um, When the Harvest is In you could hear my Hampshire When the Harvest is In yes the pirate uh, accent has appeared and we used to play this song um, when we got an encore which uh, wasn't much yes we used to get a few and uh, <laughs> I thought that was a great time for me to wander into the crowd playing this song and get lost while the band soloed for maybe two or three hours. So here, from my album, A Temper of Peace, is When the Harvest is In. Harvest.
2012 album, A Temper of Peace. It's called uh, When the Harvest is In. And uh, that was always our encore, if we ever got one. And I would take that opportunity to dive into the crowd and wander away from the band. And they had to play on and hope that I was going to come back. Or maybe not hope that I came back. The Call of the Wild. It's the Call of the Wild to all you owl heads out there. And you know who you are, you owl heads. Um, Perfect time for me to play you a brand new piece, actually. Uh, This is for the experimental crew out there. You know I like doing my instrumental records. Yes, you know I like to delve away and do the odd instrumental. And this is a new piece I'm working on, which hopefully will see the light of day on a future experimental, ambient, instrumental record. And the name of this piece is called... The Weight of Souls.
That's a brand new piece I'm working on. It's called Weight of Souls. A little premiere, and hopefully that gets on to a future ambient instrumental record of mine down the line. Well, why don't we pry open the door too? <laughs> Pretty scary voice there. I think I'd better feed Igor, who's uh, got the keys to the vault. So let's go back to 2015. Um, I put out an album called Hotel of the Two Worlds and I found myself delving back into gospel, blues, funk and soul. As a bass player, that's what I grew up with and um, it was nice to sort of go back and pick up the bass and just feel where everything came from, the gut, the feel of um, rhythm. I wrote a song called Standing on the Rock and it really was my homage to all the music I uh, worshipped back in the... Uh, 70s and early 80s, the, the funk, Earth, Wind and Fire, the Isley Brothers, James Brown, Sly and the Family Stone, Parliament, Bootsy, the Brothers Johnson. I could go on. And uh, you, if you, when you listen to the words on Standing on the Rock, you'll hear um, all those names that um, had such a major influence on popular music back then. Um, I even dropped the name of uh, my mentor, Maurice White. It was such a pleasure to work with him and I learned such a lot. So here comes Standing on the Rock. And got bolts out in Tamler. Got folks and nut stacks. Blue labels turn to yellow. Well, there's something about that. King Heroin and James Brown. Sweet talking on Soul Train Black girls in a smooth line Shaw feels sexy to me Standing on the rock Standing on the rock We're standing on the rock Don't you ever ever stop Yeah. 
Yes, I certainly used to go down to Savannah and Charleston and go through those uh, record bins looking for all the white labels and unusual vinyl uh, discs to take home and to learn. I mean, amazing. You just put the needle on and that's how you learn to play bass. You'd plug your bass in and play along to records. That was my history. And on Standing on the Rock then, I had great fun playing through a thing called the Talk Box. Um, it's a great instrument that they made quite famous in the 70s, particularly Peter Frampton where you have this tube that links up to your guitar um, and as you mouth the words you're also playing the notes on the guitar and you get a very funky sound. Ah, you learn something new every day here in the Owl's Nest. Well, I've been told to shut up and push a big red button here um, that says uh, a message from the sponsors. Go to CD Baby, go to Amazon, go to iTunes, go to Google, download immediately. I'm Pedro. And I endorse this message. Well, I hope you know that I had absolutely nothing to do with that. I wouldn't advertise my music for anything in the world. Oh, no. Um, by the way, you can <laughs> you can pick up uh, all my work and a lot of the songs you've heard here on the show at CD Baby. The uh, real thing, CDs, that you can actually touch, spin, throw out the window, play with, frisbees. Um, and you can also download... My songs on uh, iTunes and all the other equivalent internet download sites. Well, now that we've got that over with, that signifies that it's time for the quote of the show. And it comes from Krishnamurti. It is essential sometimes to go into retreat, to stop everything that you have been doing, to stop your beliefs and experiences completely and look at them anew not keep on repeating them like machines. Whether you believe or do not believe, you would then let fresh air into your minds. There's the kettle boiling. That's the sign that it's the end of the show and it's time for me to get a nice warm cuppa. Thank you for joining me again on Radio Owl's Nest. It's always such a joy to have you out there with your big ears listening to me in here with my big mouth. Uh, before I go, you know my passion for animals. I just want to say let's try and stop any more animal testing because none animal technology has come of age. And go to the shelter, be compassionate and bring home uh, an animal that's going to bring love into your family and become a family member. Have compassion for those furry brothers and sisters of ours. Just remains for me to say, lots of love. I shall see you soon again. My fellow owl heads, I'll see you in the owl's nest. <laughs> <laughs>